Well, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, we're in this series called Deeply Rooted. And we've been looking at this, 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 this thought out of, out of Ephesians that what is rooted in you will, will break the surface in your life. Um, and, uh, and so we, we've, been, we've, been looking at, we've been looking at that. And then uh, last week we came to that passage about sexual immorality. And then this week we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go into maybe some more of the application, uh, mainly into marriage. But even, even if you're single and one day you're looking to be married, I'm telling you, you'll, you'll need this sermon. You'll need this, this talk. Uh, the topic of this message, and I know it's a heavy one, uh, but this top, topic of this message is, is how to affair-proof your marriage. Now, I'm, I'm just real curious. I didn't ask this last night. How many of you guys have ever heard a pastor speak on this subject? Would you raise your hand? It's time we speak on this subject. That's like nobody, <laughs> right? And, and I think this is just, a, you know what? And I just want to compliment you. I want to tell you how much I love you, uh, that we can actually have these types of conversations in church, because I think that's where the conversation should start. Uh, we live in a time where God has been taken out of the bedroom, and the churches no longer talk about Christianity. They no longer talk about God in the bedroom because pastors are worried about the, the conflict or, or, or the emails or anything like that. And so this morning, I'm going to talk to you real honestly about this issue of how to affair-proof your marriage. And, and um, this reality came home to me when I was a brand-new pastor. I hadn't been a minister very long at all. And I get a call from a man in our church, and the man says, my wife and I, we're going through a really, really difficult time in marriage. It's a difficult season, and so we need help. And so he said, we'd like to schedule an appointment with you. And I said, no worries, you know, come on in. And so he said, well, you don't understand. Uh, we're we're going to drive separately. And uh, he says, and I'm going to get there 15 minutes ahead of my wife uh, because it would not be good if we sat out in the waiting room uh, before we got to see you together. And so he says, I'm going to get there 15 minutes ahead of time. Um, and then she's going to arrive after that. She's, he says, you know, you, I'll just sit, I'll sit on your couch or whatever. You can continue to work till she gets there, but we cannot be alone in the, in the, in the waiting room. I says, no problem. So he came in, we visited. Uh, she arrived, she came in, and, you know, you just, you just watch body language, and, you know, their body language before they said a word made me uncomfortable. And uh, they sat on separate couches. It, it just wasn't, it, it didn't, it, it wasn't going well at all. And so all of a sudden, this man turns to his wife and says, I, I, I've just got to share this. I've got to get this off my chest. I, I can't take this anymore. And she says, well, what is it? And he said, 20 years ago, I had an affair on you. I mean, I watched this man confess an affair to his wife with me sitting there. And so all of a sudden, I watched the emotion that ran through her to where um, her breathing rapidly changed, to where the shock that came over her to, to the point to where she started to hyperventilate, to where we were real close to the point of just dialing 911 and getting her some medical attention. Uh, the man, you know, uh, it wasn't wise, but he went over and tried to uh, comfort her. And, uh, and so it, it began to spiral out of control to where all she could get out is, would you just please leave? And so he left and brought a secretary in to, uh, to comfort her. And, and I watched and I walked, walked with them through the, through the devastation as a, as a result of a decision that he made a weekend that he made 20 years prior to him confessing this. I've seen devastation on both sides. I've seen devastation when a wife uh, strayed outside of marriage, and I've seen the devastation when a husband strayed outside of marriage. And, and so you start asking yourself some questions. How, did, how does this happen? How did this happen? 
Because see, I don't, I don't believe in my experience that any person wakes up one morning and says, you know what, I'm going to destroy my life. Today is a day I'm wrecking my life. I'm going to wreck my spouse. I'm going to wreck my kids. I'm going to wreck my career. I'm going to wreck, wreck what my parent and what my family thinks of me. Today is a day that I'm going to destroy it all. See, I don't think anybody does that, but I do know this from my experience is this, is that affairs do not happen immediate. Affairs happen through a process. In fact, is that's what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches this, that we know that affairs happen through a process. Now listen, let's, just, let's pause for a moment so we just all understand each other. If I don't want you, if you've ever had any, if you've ever had an affair in your, in your past and, and in your history, I don't want you to hear any condemnation or guilt from me. I don't want you to hear any condemnation or guilt from the Scriptures. I, I believe I believe Christ forgives. I, I, am, I am a grace guy. That's just who I am. And so I understand in, in Scripture and seen it that God restores relationships. He build, rebuilds marriages. He totally and completely forgives. And so if that's in your past, I don't, want you to, I don't want this to raise up any guilt or any condemnation in your life. And I want you to know that I'm your biggest fan as we walk through this. So I'm going to have you turn to Proverbs chapter 5. Um, this is just such an interesting chapter that we're going to learn together. But while you're turning there, I'm just going to read a verse out of Proverbs chapter 10 about this. Here's what Proverbs chapter 10 verse 9 says. People with integrity walk safely, but those who followed crooked paths will slip and fall. And so if, if you've started down this path, I mean, I really believe this morning, just like last night, some marriages are going to get strengthened regardless of where you are in, in the seasons of marriage. I believe this sermon can strengthen every one of our marriages. If you started down this path, then I'm, I'm praying that this message helps you greatly to, so that you would move off that, that path. There's a little bit about me. I've been married to the same woman for 31 years. And, and here, here's what I know about marriage. Marriage is not awesomeness all of the time. Isn't that right? I mean, marriage is not awesome all the time. I mean, there's some great seasons of marriage, and there's some challenges of marriage, there's some difficult seasons of marriage. And so marriage is not awesomeness all the time. It takes worth. It takes work. I don't know where worth came from. It takes work. And so I want to help you understand, how do you know if I'm on a dangerous path? How do I know that if I'm headed down that crooked path, what does that look like? Four principles, and then I'm going to give you the, the road markers, the sign markers along the way. But four principles that we have to understand is this, is first, there becomes an awareness of another person. All of a sudden, there becomes this awareness of another person. Now listen, if every one of us are honest in this room, which we should be, we've all been aware of another person. And so all of a sudden, so it's not the awareness of another person that's so dangerous as much as it's what you do with that, what you, what, you, what, you, what you take with you. And so watch this. At this point, completely innocent. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to walk through Proverbs chapter 5 together. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment. For your lips will express what you have learned. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Now listen, let me just tell you, right now in marriage, you're either leaning into your marriage or you're leaning away from your marriage. You're le either leaning into your husband or you're leaning away from your husband. You're either, either leaning into your wife or you're leaning away from your wife. In seasons of marriage, life can cause that leaning. It can cause you to lean away. It may be a, it may be a, a, it may be a simple argument. It may be a disagreement. It may be a, a difficult time of life, it may be your schedules, it may be raising kids, but something can happen to cause you to begin to lean away 
from your spouse. But it can also be traumatic. It can also be a, a, a loss of a loved one, a loss of a child, um, loss of health to where there's, there, there's an illness involved or there, there's, there's loss of income or, or loss of job. And all of a sudden, a, a leaning starts, a leaning away from marriage, and a distance begins to form in the relationship, which it can be subtle at first. And then a lot of times when people get into this, they believe some false beliefs. They begin to believe some things like, God wants me happy, I deserve to be happy, or, or another person would make me happy, another person would fulfill me, or, or maybe I married the wrong person, or, or maybe you believe what one man once told me was this, God did not create me to be monogamous. I don't think I can be monogamous. And so there's this awareness of another person. And then all of a sudden you begin to look at this other person and, and you linger and your thoughts linger and you, you notice him or you notice her. And then you begin to wonder, what would your life be like married to them? How, how different would your life be? How different would your situation be? And then all of a sudden it begins to deepen and then there's, there are innocent meetings that opens the door to flirting. In other words, they're just innocent meetings, and they're not planned meetings. They're just, me they're just meetings. It may, be, it, may be, it may be after a staff meeting. It may be during a staff meeting at the office. It may be at school. It may be in the neighborhood. Uh, yes, it can even happen at, at church. And now because you've allowed that thought to linger, it opens the door to flirting. And she thinks you're smarter, funnier, more caring than you really are and here's the interesting thing about verse 3 and it's just so interesting to me let me just let me just read it again I don't know if it's going to come up on the screens because I didn't tell them ahead of times but let me just read this again it says for the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey and her mouth is smoother than oil now listen that goes both ways but what we need to understand is this is that this this verse is not denying that that the woman is tempting but what it is saying is is this is that all temptation is not sexual. I'm telling you, a lot of times it starts off as an emotional affair. And an emotional affair, a lot of times, is much more difficult to break than a physical affair. And so what it's saying is, is that some of the temptation was just not her sexual availability. It was his words. It was the things that she said. The man is drawn to her because of her flattery. Because she puffs up his ego. She says some things to him that his wife is not saying to her. Or something is sad. Or, or, or ladies, he gives you a compliment. He liked your shoes. He liked your dress. He, he noticed your new haircut, and your husband hasn't noticed your haircut in 15 years. He complimented you. And your husband may not have complimented you in a, in a long time. This man actually asked how you're doing. Your, wife, your husband hasn't asked you how you're doing. Well, you can't remember the last time he, he asked you how you're doing. And you don't even know if he cares how you're doing. And at this point, I'm not talking about suggestive flirting. I'm just talking about seemingly innocent flirting. And now at this point, I'm telling you, at this point, you have a choice. The fact is, we all have a choice. Uh, you have a choice whether you're going to be overcome by the spirit of stupid. <laughs> and I mean that with all love. 
Are you going to continue on? I mean, it's your choice. It's your choice. It's your choice if you open the door or if you close the door, if you, if you open that emotional door. Because I'm telling you, a lot of people do not see this as dangerous. But emotional affairs, I'm just telling you, emotional affairs are so much, many times so much more difficult to break than physical affairs. But a lot of times people see it as totally as innocent. And they start heading down this path. And what we're going to learn in Proverbs, they don't understand where the destination is. Now, Karen and I, Karen's my wife, uh, Karen and I, w- w- we're open. We talk, we talk about all kinds of stuff. We talk about our life. We talk about our day. Uh, many years ago, when, when, when my youngest daughter, our youngest daughter, uh, graduated from college, Karen goes back to, to school, to college, to get her BSN. And she's taking a math class. And so uh, she comes home one evening. We're eating dinner together. And she begins telling me something her math instructor told her after class. She'd ask a question, he, he, and he said something to her. And, and I mean, I, mean I, I, I heard something different than she heard. And I'm like, Karen, that guy likes you. That guy was flirting. She goes, no. She says, I'm like 10 or 15 years older than him, and he's married, and he has kids. No way. I said, Karen, that, I'm telling you, as a man, that is not, that is not right. Do we, need, do we need to have a husband-professor uh, meeting? I mean, do, we need to, do I need to go down to that school and just have a conversation with that man? And she's like, no. She says, Charlie, I promise you, you know, no, it's not what you think. Well, a week later, she comes home, and I mean, we hadn't even started eating. She's not going to believe this. You were right. She said, he asked me after class, he stopped me and said, hey, by the way, would you like to go out and get drinks after class? She said, you're so right. And, and, and I said, well, what'd you say? And she says, well, I said, no, I'm married. And he says, and then the guy looked down at my hand and I wasn't wearing a wedding ring because Karen had lost a wedding ring. And he says, well, well, you're not wearing a wedding ring. Oh, and by the way, that next day, I bought my baby a ring. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, she's in class. I'll answer, call on me. I'll answer that question. Are we going to go this way or do we go this way? <laughs> Man, I'm telling you guys, you've got to struggle together. We talked about this last week, right? We're in this together. Everything in society is against marriage. Everything. Marriage is no longer valued. Married is, marriage is no longer respected. Fact is, you have to come to the part without point, without condemning each other, without judging each other, without saying you caused that, what'd you do, how'd you bring it. None of that. To where we understand, guess what, that, it, that we struggle together and we understand that we're in this together. Karen can speak into my life just like I speak into her life. If Karen speaks into my life and says, I do not feel comfortable with that woman, how she talks with you, the things that she says, the things that she does, it's done. And it's not because Karen's jealous or protective. She's discerning. Women know. Men know other men. We need each other. The second thing that's going to, as you walk down this path is this, is that you're captivated by someone other than your spouse. And Proverbs 5.19 says that you should only be captivated by the love of your spouse. The danger is, is that you're captivated by someone else other than your spouse. This word captivated literally means to be intoxicated. It means to be in this, it means to stagger along following someone. And then all of a sudden the meetings start, begin to subtly shift. And your meetings become intentional. It's planned by one or, or, or two people. That I know where his office is. I know where her office is. I know when she goes to the coffee bar. I know when he goes to the coffee bar. 
I, I know when he's going to walk by. I know when he's going to come here. A, a huge red flag is this. On the days that you know that you're going to see that other person, you make sure you're dressed nice. You make sure that you're looking sharp. And then all of a sudden, another mile marker is this. Either the man or the woman will plan intentional meetings and, and they begin to really enjoy the, the flirting. It, it, it may be that their personalities just mesh. They just kind of feed off each other. There's just this, there's just this from, a, from their personalities, there's just this, there's just this, this connection. And, and at this point, there may not be any thought of anything sexual. It may have to do with this, just this emotional connection. And this emotional door is getting open wider and wider and wider. And men sometimes will say things like, she, she made me feel some things that I haven't felt in in years he made me feel some things that I haven't felt in years now listen I'm telling you this is when the spirit of stupid will tell you that this isn't dangerous that you can walk away from this at any point but I'm telling you an emotional affair is powerful and then you begin seeing that while in a group setting that two people lingering conversation to where it's a group staff meeting to where it's a what's a meeting that you know whether it's in the neighborhood or ball games or 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 whatever to where those two people linger and there's like this connection it's like there's nobody else in the room and and they just they begin having conversations and then then the conversations move from being very general to more specific conversations and I'm telling you this when you cross the line to where they're no longer general conversations, but now you begin to talk about feelings and how you doing and what's going on in your life. And you begin talking about things a little bit deeper and you begin to talk to him or to her about things that you should only talk to your husband or wife about. And you may even begin to open the, up the door even wider and tell that other person some things that you dislike about your spouse, about an argument or about a fight. Or, and it just opens the door for them to say, I'd never treat you like that. I can't believe anybody would treat you like that. Karen and I have a rule. I don't have women that are my friends. I'm not playing golf with a woman. I'm not going hunting with a woman. I'm not going to the movies with a woman. I'm not... I'm, uh, I'm, I don't have women that are my friends. And she doesn't have men that are her friends. I have women who are married to my friends that I'm friends with. But when you begin to have personal conversations with another woman about your feelings, that is telling you that it's dangerous grounds. Because with, with my wife, with Karen, it's very romantic when we sit down and talk about feelings. Right? Women like to talk about feelings. How'd that make you feel? How are you feeling? What are you feeling right now? See, that's, that's, that's intimacy for a woman. That's intimate for a woman. And when you begin to talk about feelings, that's romantic whether you realize it or not. And when you begin to talk about feelings, you begin headed down a dangerous path. 
And all of a sudden, there's this bonding that begins to happen. He really gets me. She really gets me. He really understands me. She really understands me. And so there's this bonding that begins to happen that's very inappropriate. And, they're not, and probably at this point, there's no, there's no physical side to this relationship. There's, there's no touch. There's no kissing. Listen, I'm telling you, since we're in church and we're in a Christian setting, You can talk about feelings cloaked, wrapped in spiritual things that is dangerous. It can be about God. It can be what, about what God's doing in your life, what God is leading you to do, uh, what, what you would like God to do in, in your life, uh, what you feel God's calling you to do. Listen, let me tell you something. Those conversations should either be with a spouse or someone of the same sex. But whenever you start cloaking those things in and, and spiritual things that is such dangerous ground you should be having those things listen let me tell you something uh, it's just a rule of mine uh, prayer partners when at the end of our service when people come down for prayer just a rule of mine all of our prayer partners know this they've been trained through this men pray with men women pray with women period and the reason for that is this is that you could you can have a, a female come down for prayer and a man pray over her and she has never, ever heard her husband pray over her. Her husband may not even attend church with her. And she's never experienced that in her life, and that's intimate, and that's romantic. And it opens a door. A man can come down, and a woman can pray over him. And his wife has never, ever prayed for him and prayed over She never heard her husband, or her, or she's never heard her, her husband pray over her. I got it all messed up, didn't I? <laughs> he has never heard his wife pray over her. Listen, uh, you know what I meant. <laughs> I'm just moving on. I am getting out, this, out of this while it's still kept. Listen, I appreciate what God's doing in your life, but you shouldn't share it with everybody. That's the intimacy of marriage. On the platform, I can share with you at a, at, at a level of what God's doing in my life, but I am not going to have a private conversation with another woman about the deeper workings of God in my life that's reserved for my wife, that's reserved for Karen. Karen and I, Karen and I have that conversation. Let me tell you something. This process will begin to move quickly at this point. And if, 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 you, if you don't raise the red flag, man, I'm telling you, because all of a sudden, the two people begin to have isolated men, meetings under the disguise of a legitimate purpose. We're working on a project together. We're working on a report together. We're working on a ministry idea together. We're working on launching something together. And then all of a sudden, friends begin to kind of speak into your life because they see what's going down. They see what's happening. They kind of see the road that you're on. And the safest thing for you to do is to be honest. But many times at this point, people will lie and they will, they will justify the, the meetings under the disguise of legitimate purposes, but they know. They know there's, there's something deeper there. Then, then all of a sudden it moves and the two people begin having meetings uh, for pleasure. That's why verse 8 in Proverbs chapter 5 says, stay away from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Listen, let me tell you something. All through Scripture, when Scripture talks about temptation... It, 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 says, it says resist temptation except for sexual temptation. 
Sexual temptation, it says to flee. It says to run swift like the wind because none of us can stand up against it. And then you begin having these meetings for, for pleasure. And then you begin saying some things like, nobody's ever made me feel like this before. I haven't felt like this in, in years. And, and then you start justifying it. God brought you into my life for this season. I could have never gotten through this season of life without you. I believe God has placed you. I'm telling you, you can cloak these things in, in spiritual things, in spiritual talk. Uh, I believe God brought you into my, seat, my life for encouragement. And, and when I'm around you, everything seems so perfect. When I'm around you, everything seems so, fat, so, so great. And then, then you begin sliding fast, and, and the, the embrace becomes affectionate, and playful touching begins. Proverbs 5.20, why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman, or fondle the, bre the breast of a promiscuous woman? For the Lord sees clear clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. An evil man is held captive. See this word captive a lot through here, captivated by his sins. There are ropes that, that catch him and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. So now the embraces become, become passionate, and then adultery happens. It's game over. It's done. There are a lot of things sad about adultery. Breaking the covenant of marriage and breaking trust, breaking what your kids think about you, your family, and all of those other things. But what saddens me the most as a pastor is to watch people live in darkness and torment because of a secret. That man that I told you about, 20 years he carried that, and he got to the point, he said, I cannot stand the torment any longer. I wouldn't wish that kind of torment on anyone. The third thing is this, an affair will cost you more than you think. Listen, I'm telling you, sin will always take you farther than you want to go. Sin will always take you to a place that you did not want to go. That's what Proverbs 5 is all about. It's about the destination. Proverbs 5, 4 says, but in the end, she is a bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave, for she cares nothing about the path of life. In other words, she cares nothing about the destination. She cares nothing where this is going to end up. She just wants to be happy now. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't even realize it. See, the sad thing about darkness is this. People in darkness will, will, will try to justify it. People in darkness are when the affair becomes public. And they're not broken and not repentive. Then they'll tell you things. Don't be so hurt. Get over it. Just forgive me and move on. Why won't you trust me? Why are there consequences? I don't understand why there has to be consequences. I said I'm sorry. Solomon knew something ab about women. He, he writes Proverbs chapter 5. Uh, the scripture says Solomon had like a thousand wives. And uh, before you think that's cool, uh, just do the math. That means every day he had to remember three birthdays and three anniversaries. <laughs> so here's what he said, verse 7. So now, my sons, listen to me. Never stray away from what I'm about to say. Stay away from her. Do not go near the door of her house. If you do, you will. You know what? This may be the first country and western song right here. Watch this. If you do, you'll lose your honor, and you'll lose to merciless people all you have achieved. Strangers will consume your wealth, and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. That sounds like a country and western song, doesn't it? I mean, there's some country western songs that make me laugh when I'm flipping channels. Like if I'd killed you when I wanted to, I'd be out of jail by now. I mean, that just kind of makes me laugh. But there's also, there's also that Toby Keith song that breaks my heart. 
Who's that man living in my house? Who's that man driving my car or truck? Uh, who's that man playing with my kids? Who's that man enjoying my stuff? I mean, you just look at this. You look at these phrases that Solomon used. You will lose honor. You're going to lose to merciless people. All the things that you have achieved, all the things that you have worked for. Strangers, what Solomon says, strangers are going to consume your wealth. Someone else is going to enjoy the fruit of your labor. New study revealed that, a, that an affair, by statistics, an average man will lose about 70% of their net worth through an affair. Proverbs 5.11, he says, In the end you will groan in anguish when, you, when disease consumes your body. You will say, how I hated discipline. So this is when, at the end, the man comes to his senses and says, oh, no. Oh, no. If only I had not ignored all the warnings. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? I've come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. It's public. It's out. Another study also said that 25% of men who have an affair will bring complete financial ruin to their entire family. I, I never will forget, Bill Clough was a Christian. He's meant a lot to me. Uh, he's the, the man that gave me my start in engineering before ministry. And th this was in the early 80s when laws were kind of different than they are now. And there was an engineer that we were working with, and it became known that this man was having an affair. And Bill Clough fired him immediately, just dismissed him, fired him. He was a good engineer. And so Bill Clough was a mentor of mine, and so I walked into Mr. Clough's office, and I says, why'd you fire him? He said, I fired him for one reason. If his wife can't trust him, I can't either. And that's what Solomon is talking about. I'm telling you, sin will always cost you more than you think. And, and what kind of justification are you using or energy to justify your relationships right now. And I love you, and I'm crazy about you, and this. And I'm telling you, it'll cost you more than you think. Sin will cost you more than you're willing to pay. The last thing is this what Solomon tells him is remember, the blessings of God are at home. So what he says in verse 15 through 18, he says, drink water from your own well, share your love only with your wife. That's biblical sexuality between a husband and a wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves, never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. That does not mean go out and get a younger wife. You may say, well, she's not young anymore. Well, neither are you. Verse 19, she is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be, so here we go, may you always be captivated. May you always be intoxicated. May you always be captivated by her love. I... I believe whenever an individual gets to the place to where they think they've figured God out, they no longer worship him. 
It's, it's the mystery of God. It's the, it's the awe of God. It's the continual learning about God, about the deep things of God that causes us to pursue him. It's the mystery of God that causes us to pursue him and causes us to worship him to where we continually discover new things about God. And, and can I tell you this? Uh, what causes you to pursue your wife or husband is you don't have them all figured out. The more I learn about Karen, the more I know about Karen, the more I'm captivated by Karen. Karen, I've been married 31 years. I'm still learning things about her. Like, you are so smart. You are so funny. I cannot believe. When did you learn that? How did you think of that? What is God? All of these things. I mean, there's this, this mystery in the relationship. And, and men, you know this. This is easy for, women, for us uh, is towards women because women are mysterious, right? Thank you. I, I, mean, we, I mean, we can't figure them out, right? And sometimes, ladies, you can't figure yourself out, right? I mean, you're just, you're, just, you're just mysterious, right? So this should be easy for us. You know who have it rough? The women. Men, we haven't changed much since the seventh grade, Right? I mean, we're still chasing the same ball. We're still hitting the same ball. We're still talking about the same ball. We're still telling the same jokes that we were telling in seventh grade. We're still doing the same stuff in the seventh grade. You're still rolling your eyes. Grow up. We're not going to grow up. But it's this, it's, this, it's this mystery. I mean, there's people that say, you know, you know I'm, just, I'm just in marriage. I'm just committed to. I'm just, I'm just disciplined to be married. There is no life in that. What is captivating you right now about your spouse? Man, find something to honor them. Find something to, to be thankful about them. And you may say, well, wait a minute. In this season, I have nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing to honor them. I got nothing to be thankful for. Well, then ask God. Ask God how you should honor them. Ask God how you should what you could use to encourage. I'm telling you, God has given me some things, and I've, I've just texted my wife. I said, I don't, I don't know how you're doing today, uh, but here's something that I'd like to encourage you with. The Scripture says, be captivated by the love of your wife. I think a dangerous time that we're in in social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, any of those things. See people tweet, post all the time. Hey, check out my hot wife. And you know what? I, I think you should think your wife is beautiful. But you shouldn't qu cross the line and make her a sexual object. What happens if she grows older? What happens if she's in a car wreck and goes through the windshield of a car she gets cancer and she loses all of her hair Solomon says be captivated by what be captivated by her love and she's mysterious and you lean in you learn to lean in to each other Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm ask you a couple of questions, and and I don't know about you, but I'm 
I'm tired of a man confessing an affair with a weeping wife standing next to him at the podium. I'm tired of letters being read in churches with a senior pastor confessed a, an affair and the church was destroyed. So let me just ask you, right now are you captivated by your, by your spouse? Man, which way are you leaning? You leaning away from your marriage or are you leaning into your marriage? You leaning into your spouse, you leaning away from your spouse? Is there something subtly happening to you in your life? An argument, a season of life, a difficulty that's causing you to lean away from your spouse to distances forming. It, it doesn't have to be significant. If you're married and you're seated next to your spouse, would you just would you just kind of lean into each other right now? Shoulder to shoulder. Just say, I'm in this heart and soul. I'm for you. Nothing else is going to capture me. If you want to know who captures my heart, Christ and Karen. That's who owns my heart. Nothing's going to capture me. And we're going to struggle together and we're going to figure this out. Maybe you're single. And maybe you'd use this to look to the future of what a healthy biblical relationship would look like. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I just, I need prayer. I'm just carrying a burden. I'd love someone just to pray for me. We want to pray for you. After we stand and after I pray, because I'm going to pray for the couples here. If you're carrying a burden, we want to pray for you. If you need prayer in any area of your life, after I pray, we stand. Just real quickly, you make your way down to the front. We have story after story what God has done in this room when people have humbled themselves and just received prayer. I'm telling you, as your pastor, I'm in this with you. Let's be a distinct people group. There's something different about us and about our relationships. Father, we thank you for this morning. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Father, I pray for the couples right here, right now, as they have leaned in together. Father, that you bless them. Father, that you give them peace. You give them comfort. Father, that you give them wisdom. And may you give them a relationship. May you, be, may you give them a marriage they've dreamed of. And Father, may they be captivated by one another the rest of their life. May nothing comes into their life that captivates them. No position, no success. They're captivated by their spouse. Father, we pray for those this morning that just need prayer. Father, we ask that people would respond to you, that prayers would be answered, burdens would be lifted, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.